Amen. Amen. For those of you who were not here last week, um, we began a series, and this is, as I said last week, this was a series that I had been, I, I knew that the Holy Spirit was going to have me do it. I didn't know the timing, and I kept putting the timing off. And down in Mexico, he gave me another series. So I thought, well, okay, there's another five weeks. I get to put it off. And uh, and then 7 o'clock last Saturday night, he said, no. He said, you're to begin that tomorrow morning. And so last week, we began this series on the Holy Spirit. And if you recall last week, we talked about to seek Jesus Christ... You know, you've heard this verse a thousand times if you've been part of Ignition at all. And that is our foundational verse, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to you. Okay, so we are to seek first his kingdom. That's what we began with last week in our introduction. Today is the second half of that introduction. So you know that the series is going to be at least three weeks. (laughs) Right? Okay, we're talking about seeking him in his kingdom, as we said last week, meant seeking him beyond what we see as physical. Right? He is a spirit. God is a spirit, therefore, we said last week, we worship him in spirit and in truth. And Matthew 6.33 says we're to seek his kingdom now. We don't wait till we go to heaven we don't wait till we die this life and then go to his kingdom as Christians. We're to seek his kingdom now. Okay, and if you recall last week, where did it say his kingdom was? It's inside of us. It's inside of our hearts where the Holy Spirit dwells. But we're to seek that. We're to seek that to be with him in that realm. So we understand right away that the relationship that we develop with Jesus Christ is not just a physical, intellectual relationship. There's more to it than that, right? Because if there wasn't, then it falls within the realms of our control. Last week we talked about knowledge. You can know the Word of God backwards and forwards. And yet it may not bear the very fruit that you intend for it to bear because it is simply knowledge. See, we have to put with that trust and faith. Remember Hebrews 11.6, without faith we can't please him. So why can't I please him by just learning the word of God? Through my own knowledge, we talked about last week, it's because of this C word. This word everybody hates, but everybody loves. That word control. We all love control. We take control, even if we don't think we're a controlling person, we automatically will take control in our lives. It's normal. It's human nature. That's why he said we were born with a nature that we have to fight against. So even in the very relationship that we build with Jesus Christ, We have to be careful that we take control. So as we open up into this second part of the intro, it's about trusting 
in his control. You have to understand that when you give your trust to Jesus Christ, he operates through the Holy Spirit. You are giving your trust and your control away to the Holy Spirit. We went through some scriptures last week that indicated that. We're going to go through more this week. But before we do, let's pray. And let's invite the Holy Spirit here who reveals scripture to us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We lift up high the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is above all names. We thank you for him. We thank you for your sacrifice of him on the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for your willingness out of your love for us and out of your love and obedience to the Father that you came to this earth. You walked the same paths that we walk. You understand the same parameters as a human being that we have. And yet you lived a perfect, sinless life. You offered that perfect, sinless life again out of obedience to your Father. And from that died on the cross. And He, through the power of the Holy Spirit, raised you from death. And as we worship you now, Jesus, we worship you at the right hand of the Father. So, Father, I pray this morning that you send your Holy Spirit, because after Christ ascended, you promised that you would send your Holy Spirit. And what we pray for this morning, Lord, is that you open our eyes to this topic. You open our eyes to the scriptures that we're going to be reading and understanding how you desire to operate a relationship. Please, God, there is nothing more critical after salvation. After accepting Jesus Christ into our heart, there's nothing more critical than our relationship with you. That interactive day-to-day relationship. So God, that's what I pray, that you send your Holy Spirit here to open our eyes to. Speak through me your words only. No one else's, just yours. We love you, Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen. I want to begin by telling you a little bit about myself, a little testimony about myself. Many of you have heard this, but as I have told other people, it's important to me that you are on this ride with me, because you will see displayed in my own life the changes that Jesus Christ took me through. See, I've been saved since I was nine years old. Okay, I've been saved 42 years. So in that time... I fell in love with Jesus Christ. I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home. I fell in love with Jesus Christ. I was passionate for Him. I was passionate in doing things for Him. Even after Alexis and I got married and we got involved in ministry, whether that was out of duty or not, I'm not sure I can tell you. But I could tell you I enjoyed it. But what I did was I built a life serving Jesus Christ. 
From the outside, you could look at that and see, for the last 25 years, I have taught the Word of God. For the last 25 years, I've worked in ministry. For many of those years, even though having business, I did it full-time, or basically full-time. And it wasn't up until just the last year and a half that that completely changed. So I spent 40 years of my saved life, my relationship with Jesus Christ, 40 years not understanding the very vehicle that God wants to use to develop that relationship in me. So you have to understand, I'm not a new Christian. I'm not coming from the perspective of this is all I know. I come from the opposite perspective. Growing up believing that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ended with the apostles. Believing that that we are to operate simply by what the Word of God says. And by the way, I believe that now. The only difference is I have a greater understanding of what the Word of God says. And I'll tell you how it started. About two and a half years ago, I had some really good friends. And they're still really good friends, by the way. But I had these friends. I knew their walk. I knew how passionate they were for Jesus Christ. I knew personally where they were at with him. But yet, when I would have conversations with them, and they would say they heard from God, it was very different than when I heard from God. See, if I heard from God, it's because I pulled out his word. And I read something in there. I read a principle in there that I needed to adhere to. Which is not bad. Please understand, I'm not saying good or bad here. But see, when they heard from God, it was different. When they heard from God, they said they heard from God. They heard God's voice. They heard him speak into their life. See, that was different than me. I'd never heard God's voice. I'd seen it written. I feel him in my heart. He led me in my heart, but I never heard him. I never understood that God worked that way. And I always thought that people that thought that were a little off and a little kooky. See, that's, that's how I believed for 40 years. But the thing I could not reconcile now was the fact that I had three friends that I knew their walk. And so I decided, okay, Lord. And by, and by the way, they poured into me. You know, they shared with me the very things that I'm sharing with you. I remember saying at the beginning of this process, when I first came to the conclusion that there perhaps is something more that I do not understand. And I know the Word of God. I know it up one side and down the other. But perhaps there was something I was missing in my relationship with Jesus Christ. When I came to the conclusion that that was a possibility, I prayed two things to God. I said, Lord, I pray most of all, if this is true, what what they are saying, if this is true, I beg you to prove it to me in your scripture. Why? Because it's your scripture is what I trust. 
I don't necessarily trust the words of men, but I do trust the word of God completely and implicitly. So God, I pray that you show me beyond a shadow of a doubt in your word. And secondly, God, if you do that and that first one is, is real and you really do show me that, then I've got to ask you a second one. And that is that you show me how to tell others because this is very different for me. And there's going to be a lot of people that look at me and say, what happened? Wow, you went off the deep end. What happened to you? So I said, God, you need to show me it's true in your word and then show me how to tell others and how to teach others and, and through your Holy Spirit reveal the truth about this. So I began to pray that. And then I began to dive into the Word of God like I had never done before. Ripping apart verses, ripping apart pieces, arguments on both sides. Almost to the point of nauseam. I wanted to get every little piece because I didn't want to miss anything. Why? It wasn't about being right. It was about the fact that I was hungry. I was hungry for more. See, what the Lord Jesus Christ had been in my life for 40 years was good, and at times great. But when I started to see the possibility of a direct relationship, interactive, I wanted more. I realized what I had was not enough anymore. The sheer knowledge of Him and the understanding of Him and His Word was not enough for me anymore. Because the Holy Spirit Himself began, began opening my eyes to what He really wanted. And it was that interactive relationship that He promises in Scripture. So again, I began that process. And I began studying, and I began looking at it in the entire time we had, we had started Ignition College, right? It was a college ministry at this point. And, and I promised the young people that they would see me be completely transparent through the entire thing. That I would not hide a thing from them. That as I went down this path and studied it in the Word, I was going to share it with them. And that's exactly what happened. And see, we are almost exactly a year later from when something broke loose for me. He had already shown me in Scripture exactly what I'm going to show you over the course of the next few weeks. So he had already proven in Scripture what he wants to do in my life, but yet I had never seen it. I had never seen it manifest. I had never seen the interaction that he's calling for. And so we got back from Mexico last July. We were in Mexico with, I took a group of 18 young people down there last, last July. We got back from Mexico and that trip was nothing short of amazing for me. Just how the Holy Spirit just started to work started to reveal things, started to introduce me to people, started to reveal th things even in his scripture. So we got back, and we did our thing on Thursday nights. And I remember that first Thursday night back, um, 
think I had to be in Lynchburg or something, but it was, it was the second one when we came back. It was August 7th. And I remember I had asked a friend of mine, one of these friends, I had asked them to just do a little talk on hearing from the Holy Spirit. And it was good. I listened to it. It was biblical. It was excellent. A, a little bit generic. But there was one thing that hit me that I had never thought of before. And see, I was ready for this now. But she said, have you ever prayed and asked to hear from God and then actually be quiet and wait? See, that never dawned on me. Never dawned on me because I never expected him to talk. I never expected him to say a thing to me, except through his word, through the principles I could read in black and white, and how he would apply that to my heart. That's how he spoke to me. So it never dawned on me to ask him and then wait to hear from him. See, what happened that night, as she was finished, I walked up, and normally we go to prayer, and, and then we also had these small groups and talk about it and stuff like that. I couldn't get this question out of my mind. So I decided we're going to do something different tonight, and I got up there and I said, I said, we're going to do something different because I can't get this thought out of my mind that we're going to ask him to speak and then wait. So we did. We prayed, and we asked him to speak. And I'm not going to go into detail, but he did. He spoke. That's not the one I really want to tell you about. The one I want to tell you about is later that night at 2.30 in the morning. When this became real in my life, when the interaction became real in my life, I prayed, Lord, speak to me directly. Speak to me to where I hear your voice, God. Not just in your scripture, but I hear the intimacy in your voice that we can have a relationship with. And he did that as well. So see, my life changed. Did I stray away from the word of God? No. I ran to the word of God. And that's what we're going to study this morning because I can tell you knowledge in a relationship with, will only get you so far. You can know the word of God up one side and down the other. You can know the knowledge of it and it will only get you so far in a relationship. Think about a close relationship you have right now, whether it be a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, whatever. If you never had any interaction together, and your entire relationship was long distance via pen pal, do you think that would be as close as when you were together in interaction? No, I mean, that's ludicrous, right? It's the closeness when you're together, when you interact together, that the relationship bond becomes strong. Why? Because you release control. Anybody knows that a healthy relationship is, is meaning that you are giving up a certain amount of control. 
You are making yourself vulnerable in that relationship. See, that has to be interactive. But do you understand it's no different with God? We have to become vulnerable to Him. We have to release the control that we so desire, even if we fashion that control in the parameters of the Word of God. Even if we say, well, I'll listen to this, I read it right here, and so I can obey it, I can do it, and that's good, I'm not saying that's bad. But if that's all it is, if there is no personal interaction, then you're missing, you're missing out. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you don't even have a, a strong Christian life and a strong Christian testimony. For 40 years I was saved. I had a strong Christian testimony. I led other people to the Lord. I led groups. I was a worship leader for 15 years. So I'm not saying that this change in my life, that all of a sudden made my relationship with him good. It was good before. That's why I want you to understand my testimony. It's not that I went from bad to good. I went from good to great. Because my relationship that was a certain amount of control in the word of God from understanding his word now became even more faith-based. Why? Because I had to trust him to interact with me. I had to trust him to bring his words alive in my life. So it is about giving up control. Giving up this knowledge that we circle our entire relationship around. And by the way, I do want to, I do want to go on the opposite side because this is what always kept me from seeking this. The Holy Spirit is not a shortcut to relationship. And unfortunately, so many people use it that way. Especially those who might get saved and don't know the Word of God. Then they'll use the Holy Spirit. Well, He spoke to me. So I, I really don't need to see that in the Word of God. You couldn't be more wrong. Our foundation is the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, you're missing out on the depths of that relationship. So we can't use the Holy Spirit as a shortcut in our relationship with God and our growth with God. But we use Him as a partner. Because remember what He said when Jesus Christ was with His disciples. He said, you want Me to leave. You want Me to leave. Because when I do, the Father will send the Comforter. That Comforter is a partner. In our walk. He is the very vehicle in which our walk grows. So you want a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to learn to not put a box around him. You've got to learn by faith to not control your walk through different parameters. But you know what? Let's go to the Word. Because that's the foundation. And that's where we know what truth is or not. So as I've said in previous weeks, 
You have in your bulletin, you have a side that says message notes. What I ask you to do here, I don't care if you put down any notes. What I do care about is that you write down the references that I give you. Because in Acts 17.11 it says you're responsible to go home and prove out what it is that's said this morning. So that's what I want you to do. Even if you're online, I want you to write that down and go prove it out on your own. So walking in the Spirit is different than receiving the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. Remember, when we get saved, when we become justified in our salvation, we've asked Jesus Christ into our heart. We are then justified by Him only. It's 100% grace what He does. Okay? All we do is ask and receive. When that happens, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, comes into our heart and dwells in our heart. Our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? He, we receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that walking in the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit at our justification are two different things. Two different things. That's important to understand. Because many people believe that what we receive when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior is all we get. We get the fullness of the Holy Spirit right at that time. And that's what I believed for 40 years. But i got to tell you, I'm going to show you this morning, that is just not true. The Bible doesn't even teach that. It's, it's not even a gray area. And that's what blew me away about this. What I thought would be a gray area as I became to study this, I only realized it was my blinders that didn't see it. Because the Bible's very specific on it. So again, walking in the Spirit is different than receiving the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. I want you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. John 20, 19 to 23. And what's going on here is Jesus had already died on the cross. He was risen from the grave. And now he's appeared to many people. Okay, he's at, at this point where we're reading, he is appearing in, in the upper room to his disciples. Okay, that's where we're at in this, in this passage. Verse 19, again, John 20, 19 to 23 says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands, And his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They knew it was him. Verse 21. Jesus said to them again. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. And when he had said this. And here's the part I want you to pick up. When he had said this. He breathed on them. And said receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any. They are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So again, verse 22, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, to this point, they were not saved like we're saved. While Jesus Christ was 
alive, they were under the law just as Jesus Christ was under the law. He had not defeated the law until his death, burial, and resurrection. But see, now that he had, he had, he had risen from the dead and he was about to leave them, he blew on them or blew into them the very guarantee that Ephesians 1, 13, and 14 promises. He blew into them the Holy Spirit. They were given the Holy Spirit. And if you remember Ephesians 1, 13, and 14, that's, that's great verses for eternal security. By the way, if you want to write that down, Ephesians 1, 13, and 14, because it says that when we accept Jesus Christ, when we accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is given as a guarantee. Until, one of the greatest words in the word of God, until we receive our inheritance. Right? So he's there guaranteeing our inheritance until we receive it. So that's what was happening to the disciples there. They were given the Holy Spirit right there. By the way, I want to turn real quick to John 7. Why didn't this happen before? I just want to, want to give you a verse on this. Why didn't he give them the Holy Spirit before? John 7, 39 and 40. If you're writing it down, John 7, 39 and 40 says this. Now this he said about the Spirit, Jesus said, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Talking about the coming Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not been given. Why? Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. See, the promised Holy Spirit would not come until Jesus was glorified. He was glorified in being raised from the dead. He was given his new body when he was raised from the dead. It was not possible for the Holy Spirit to come. Why? Because they were still under the law. So the Holy Spirit was not going to come in and dwell as a guarantee like he does now. I thank God that I am a part of being New, new Testament Christianity. There is a guarantee there that we can rely on. That's a promise of God that is huge. Okay, but understand that, that the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So now, after his raising, he blew into the disciples the Holy Spirit. So now they received the Holy Spirit. Up till that point, they had not yet. Okay, now I want you to turn. Understand, they received the Holy Spirit. Remember that. John twenty nineteen through 23. They received the Holy Spirit. Now turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Now what's going on here, this is, this is basically Luke's writing this, and he goes right off of the end of Luke. He goes into writing Acts. And, and so what's happening here is Jesus Christ had not yet ascended. He's raised from the dead. He's in his glorified body. He's appeared to many. And he's about to ascend into heaven. That's where we're at, right at the beginning of Acts. So again, Acts 1, 1 through 8 says this. In the first book, talking about the book of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up. 
after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many, many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, which, by the way, is what we're to seek, right? Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. So Jesus Christ is with them. He just blew into them the Holy Spirit. Remember that. That's key. He just blew the Holy Spirit into them. They received the Holy Spirit. But he's saying, and, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, verse 5, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Understand, he's talking to the same people that he blew the Holy Spirit into. So they already have the Holy Spirit. So what's he talking about? You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, let's continue on. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And here's the key verse talking about the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he just clarified what's going to really happen. Why are they receiving the Holy Spirit twice? Well, they're not. They received the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed into them. Just like we receive the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart as our Savior. That's what Ephesians 1.13 and 14 says. We receive him. It does not mean that we immediately receive his power. It does not mean we immediately receive his filling, which are the very actions of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that right away we receive him working through our lives. See, that's why Jesus said to wait in Jerusalem. Wait here for a few days because... When you wait, the promise of the Father is going to fall on you. The very Holy Spirit that lives in you is now going to fall in power. The power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's the same power, the Bible says, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So we're not talking a little power here. We're talking about an, an enormous amount of power. So there is a second stage with the Holy Spirit. This is something I never understood. I never, I never knew there was two different times of receiving the Holy Spirit. And receiving the Holy Spirit that second time, what that meant. What, what it meant by the power of the Holy Spirit. These were his last few messages before he ascended. Was about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Just go a couple pages over. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, they waited. They waited in Jerusalem. They were in the upper room, and this was the day of Pentecost. And they waited for the very thing that, the, that Jesus Christ promised them. Right? So let's read verses 1 through 3. When the, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And, and by the way, this wasn't just the apostles. This was the entire group that he had. They figure it was a little over 100 people. Okay, so it wasn't just the disciples. But they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit Gave them utterance. So I want you to understand what's going on here. They waited like Jesus asked them to wait. The Spirit fell, and before it affected them, they saw it. They saw the Spirit falling down in the form of what it says, like tongues of fire. So they saw this happening. So there had to be also a point of receiving that as it fell upon them. So what happened? The Holy Spirit fell upon them. They spoke in tongues. I'm not going to get into this part of the study right now, but I would encourage you to do so. Because did that elevate tongues as the greatest gift? No. We're going to see that a little later on, that that actually was the least of the gifts. Because it was the only inter- interpersonal gift. But what happened to them was something out of their own control. See, that's what I had a hard time with in those first 40 years. Is that I would see people seemingly out of control and undignified. God can't be undignified, can he? See, that's what I couldn't get past. So when you assume something about God, you begin to read into the very words things that you have already assumed. Because I assumed God could not be undignified, I skipped over some of these things that might make me realize otherwise. Right? But let's talk about that for a second. What happened here? And again, you could do this study later, but... But there were comments about these people. They're speaking in foreign tongues, okay, which that wasn't the issue. But then there were comments made about them being drunk. And Peter says, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. They're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's really easy to gloss over. But when you really understand what's going on, for someone to think they were drunk, it means that they were not in their own control. They were undignified. Because that's the picture that's painted there. So what's going on with this undignified thing? That, that was the hurdle I had to get over. But then I found other places in the Word of God that were pretty undignified. You know, how about Elijah when he laid down, I think it was for three days, prophesying completely nude. Or no, it was three years. Three years. I mean, he saved on buying clothes, I suppose. 
But that's pretty undignified, right? You're in the nude for three years because you're prophesying and just laying there for God for three years. How about Saul? Here was one that was a little hard to take. When he went down to Samuel, he finally went down because he had sent other groups of soldiers in 50s, went down there, and every time they went down to Samuel, they prophesied. And he was, he was sending them down there to accomplish something, and they weren't accomplishing anything. So he finally went down there himself. What happened to him? He ripped his clothes off and he prophesied. Okay, that was undignified. If you start to look at a lot of things in the Word of God, it has nothing to do with what we think is dignity. It has everything to do with God having control of our lives. And that's something we have to understand. That's what I had to grapple with. Was that this whole thing really wrapped around my control. My uneasiness. That maybe somebody might see I look undignified. You know, that was the thing I had to grapple with the first time I raised my hand in worship. You know, I, I was... I was going to independent Baptist churches. You don't raise your hand in independent Baptist churches. At least back then. You certainly don't clap. You know, if you could give a good hearty amen, then, then that was about the extent of it. So when I learned to raise my hand in worship, and it wasn't a learning just because, well, God, I know I need to do this, so yeah, raise my hand. It wasn't like that. It was because of, of my love for him, I wanted more. So I had to get past the fact that people were going to look at me. I had to get past the fact that people were maybe going to judge me. Because I had to trust him. I had to release the control of me wanting to fit my own walk into a nice little clean box. Which permeated my knowledge of God. See, that's all I knew were those nice little clean boxes. And when we step out of those boxes and we trust Him, we will begin finding ourselves doing things we never could imagine. Doing things that maybe feel silly. Doing things that are completely out of our control. But the point of that is that we give the control to God. You know, you can't tell me in a box what happens when the Holy Spirit touches somebody's life. When the very God of this universe interacts with us in such a personal way, you can't guess that reaction. Because that reaction is whatever he wants. When we give up our own control, it becomes whatever he wants. So again, it's important to understand the Holy Spirit was given twice, right? Holy Spirit was given to the disciples when he breathed on them in John chapter 20. And then he said, wait a few days. And at Pentecost, he's going to fall on you in his very power. Jesus says, we will do 
even greater works than him. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 11 to 14. So if you're writing it down, John 14, 11 to 14. This is important to understand. Because when we, next week I'm going to begin talking about the, the real nitty-gritty proof of cessationism versus continuationism, which is basically not believing that the gifts are for today and believing that the gifts are for today. So starting next week, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of that, biblically. But I'm just trying to give you the process in which I went through here. Okay, And this was another one, John chapter 14, verse 11. Jesus says, we'll do even greater works than him. Okay, Verses 11 to 14 say this. Believe me, this is Jesus speaking, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the, the account of the works themselves, these miracles, these signs and wonders. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do these works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So what he's saying here is, you know all the works that I have done. This is Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, John said that if all the works, all the miracles Jesus Christ did, if those were written in books, the world couldn't contain them. But yet Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, he's not just talking to the apostles. He's talking to everybody. If you believe in me, you will do more than these. Why? Because you're greater than Christ? No. Because he goes and he sits at the right hand of the Father. So we have an advocate to the Father. So when we live our lives completely trusting him, giving our control over to him, he says we're going to do more than he did on the earth. That's a huge statement. Think about that, because see, that didn't fit in my box for 40 years. That didn't fit in my box because I thought that that would mean, well, I'm better than Christ. And clearly, that's not the case. But what it made, what in studying this, what it made me understand is, no, it's because of him that we would do more. And the point in our study for this series is the fact that he said we will do more. Not just disciples, you will do more in beginning the church. Or apostles, you will, do, you will do more in starting the church because it needs a good kickstart. He didn't say that. He said those who believe. Those who believe will do more because he is at the right hand of the Father. Okay, this, this is a promise, again, not just to the disciples but to all of us. And it's for whoever believes. Now we say in, in Ignition, okay, we, you, you've seen our tagline, right? Our tagline is, there's an army rising up. But an army is only as strong as the foundational structure of its members, right? If you have an army, it's only as strong as the individuals and how much they work together. 
what is our foundation at Ignition? When we started this ministry, even when it was a college ministry before and now it's become a church, what is our foundation? If we want God to use us in a mighty way, we can't limit him. Does our ignition family seek a balanced walk with Jesus Christ? Last week we talked about worshiping him in spirit and in truth. We understand the truth part. Truth's word of God. What's it mean to walk in the spirit? See, that's a little tougher, again, because of the control issue. But as ignition, what are we going to do? Are we going to begin this ministry and build this ministry with those walls? Putting God in certain parameters. See, I believe that's why he started this ministry. I believe that's why he took me on the journey that he did starting two and a half years ago. Because he wants something more. He wants to fulfill the very promises that he lays out in his truth. He wants people to build a church that do not build it in control, but that build it letting him do whatever he wants to do. But again, not taking a shortcut, not taking the word of God out, because the Holy Spirit is a shortcut to our relationship, but both. I believe that's why he didn't open my eyes until years later. Because there's nothing that would take me away from the word of God. No experience that I will have, and I have had many over the last year. No experience I have had would ever take me away from the word of God. Because it has to be proven in the Word of God. See, the Word of God is a partner with the Spirit. There is nothing that the Spirit would have us do, nothing that the Spirit would say to us that does not 100% agree with the Word of God. See, that's our safety net. Why? Because we're human. Because we have this thing that gets in the way. It's called a brain. It's our own thought process, our own ego, our own arrogance, our own pride. Those things tend to get in the way, so that's why we have the truth to compare everything to. See, the Holy Spirit will never tell you anything that is not 100% in line with the Word of God. But I will say this. The word of God will not have the relationship with you that the Holy Spirit can. That's what I had to come to a realization of. Is that it had to be more than academic. It had to be more than my knowledge. It had to be a relationship where I become vulnerable. Where I give up my control so he could work through me.
everyone should turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're closing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10. You know, Paul's talking here about him laying the foundation of the gospel to the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says this, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. It goes on to talk about our rewards. But as each individual takes care in building upon the foundation of the gospel, we even more have to take care how we build upon the foundation of the gospel in this church. See, because he has called us to do amazing things. Does that make us special? No. It just makes us willing. See, because it has nothing to do with us except for relinquishing control. But as a church, we are to take care, Paul says here, in building on the foundation of his gospel. That is the sanctification process in a person's life. As they build their relationship with Jesus Christ, that is how they draw closer to Jesus Christ. We're to take care in that. And it's important to understand that the local church, this is any local church, certainly Ignition, it's not a spiritual organism. I'm sorry, it's not an organization. It is a spiritual organism. Okay, we are a living, breathing body for Jesus Christ. We're not just a diagram of things that fit together. You know, a building and we have these programs and we do these outreaches and this and that. No. We are individual people, individual organisms with relationships with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that work together. And when we get this in our mind, understanding that we want him to have his perfect will, then he starts giving gifts. Gifts promised of the Holy Spirit. Why? To make us better? No. We're going to get into that in a little bit, in a few weeks. The purpose of the gifts was not for the individual. Outside of tongues, which was the least of the gift. The purpose of the gifts is for the church. For the body of Christ. To further his gospel. To fight the enemy. Because see, we fight a real enemy. We talked about that in Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, against these physical attributes in this world. We wrestle against a spiritual enemy. So he gives us gifts to fight that fight. And that's why this is so important that we understand this. Otherwise, we could be missing the very calling that God is giving us. Why? Because it's uncomfortable.
because it doesn't fit in my parameters of understanding. See, that's where it was for 40 years for me. But it doesn't need to be that way. And I'm not asking you to accept this just because I'm saying it. I'm asking you to seek the word of God in it because you're going to find the same thing I found. And what God is about to do in ignition, I state this simply as a testimony because when it happens, you're going to look back and you're going to say, yeah, that was said. But the Holy Spirit is going to fall on ignition as a whole. Just as he has fallen on some individuals. And when he does, it will be for the purpose of seeing people saved. Of seeing people growing Christ. You know, we, we know what building that we're going to be in. The owners don't know it yet. We're just waiting for God to tell them. But we're in the process of going after this building. And what I want to tell you is the other day, Alex had done it a couple weeks ago, so did Wendy, and I think Anissa did as well. But the other day I rode around the neighborhoods around this building. And there were literally thousands, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of families within a mile of this place. Within walking distance of this place, there were well over a thousand families, all lower income, and I'm driving through these neighborhoods, and I'm just feeling God saying, this is your harvest. This is your first layer. These are people that need to know me, need to know Jesus Christ. So if you trust me, God is saying, if you trust me, I'll work through you in this. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It it does matter that you're saved. (laughs) Because remember, he had to be given the Holy Spirit first. The disciples were. So it matters that we're saved, but it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter academically how much you know the Word of God. Because... The Holy Spirit is who reveals Scripture to us, the Bible says. What matters is that you want everything that He has to give. You want to offer yourself to be used in any way He wants to use you. See, that's who we are as a church. That's why our calling has been global. That's why Holy Spirit has told me that He is specifically said four countries and two continents that we'll be on. That just seems ridiculous. I mean, we're, we're a small church in a home. That seems ridiculous. But do you think it was ridiculous when Jesus said to the 11 disciples, remember they lost one at this point, when he said to the 11 apostles, I want you to go out through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the ends of the earth. That probably was a little overwhelming to them. Or people could look and say, yeah, how in the world are you guys going to get to the ends of the earth? 
Really? They didn't even have the internet. <laughs> Imagine how much easier it would have been for them if they had the internet. See, but that's what he's calling us to. Why? Because we're going to let him do whatever he wants. We're not going to put parameters around the Holy Spirit outside of the Word of God because that's how we judge everything is the Word of God. It says that's how you test the spirits. We'll get into that later too. How you test the spirits knowing whether a spirit is of God or not. See, the Bible teaches you all this. He doesn't say do this and leave you hanging. Man, he has got everything in the word that we will ever need to just grow. Just let him do things we never, ever imagined before. So that's what I want to leave with you this morning. Is what do you want in your own relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you want him to take you to a level of relationship you've never seen before? You've never understood before? But yet you've seen it in the word. Because how, how in the world did Paul have this relationship? And, and I'm nowhere near Paul's relationship. How is that possible? Well, maybe because he was an apostle. Okay, maybe it was because, you know, he, he got to see Jesus. Well, remember, Jesus appeared to him. Probably one of the most profound relationships in the Word of God. Don't think that you cannot have that same relationship. There was nothing special about Paul that is not special about you. Except for the fact that he let God overwhelm him. He gave God complete control. He let him do whatever he wanted to do. So don't look at some of these people in the Word of God and think, well, yeah, but they're in the Bible for a reason. I, I could never have a relationship like that. See, he promised that to everyone, all who believe. All who believe. Not just those listed in the Bible. Not just pastors. Not just people that grew up in a Christian home. He promised it to all who believe. Let's pray.